Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers, and on today's podcast, I have Alvaro Lacatur. He is a technologist, a designer, and anthropologist in New York. He recently graduated from NYU's interactive telecommunications program, where he is exploring the use of technology to create meaningful experiences through human-first approach. As an artist and anthropologist, he is interested in the human-computer interactions. His design work towards the development of aesthetic experiences where the individual becomes the most essential piece. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Alvaro. Hey, hey Dylan. How's it going, hey, man? Good, brother. How you doing? All good. We finally made this happen after a couple of yeah. months. <laughs> Sorry for that so much. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, dude. It's all good, dude. I'm, I'm excited to chat with you about this um, and dive into this, man. So, uh, yeah, I mean, recently, um, you, know, you graduated from NYU's um, program. I, I mean, I'd love to learn just a little bit about, like, your journey and kind of what got you to, to, to go on that journey for yourself. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I graduated a couple of months ago, uh, but before mm -hmm. that, I arrived to New York two years ago. Mm -hmm. And even before that, I lived in Colombia. Um, in Colombia, I studied anthropology and art, with new electronic media arts. Yeah. And I always had an eye on this type of field, like uh, the intersection of art, technology. Um, and yeah, I managed to arrive to him where you have to like, trying for a couple of times and it was amazing i got a chance to move to new york um yeah. finished the program in very unconventional circumstances uh, <laughs> yeah was it was the unconventional the whole covid thing and then you had to figure out that nor was or that, like, that whole thing <laughs> that, that whole thing that, that small little pandemic that we got like, <laughs> yeah, little, yeah yeah bleak. did you i mean did you notice a lot of energy changes when that happened with new york like when the that you know, I think you probably had a certain expectation going into New York and then that happened. And I would imagine a place that is known for having people on top of people probably changed some dynamics a bit. Yeah, like the city itself changed a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But I was I was fortunate enough to be in this program. And this program is really uh, centered around people that play in this design and technology field. Mm -hmm. So it was quite fun to see how they invented new methods for us to have a class and be I don't know, social VR or things yeah. like that. Um, it was, it was I'd be, nice. It was fun. I'd be super curious about it because, yeah, one of the things I think is ironic is that the people that struggled the most with adjusting to the pandemic was the actual schools and the education places, which I thought was ironic in the sense that the places that teach you stuff struggle with learning the stuff and adapting to it. And so um, being the telecommunications program, um, how did how did – how did technology play a part? I mean, did you guys do social VR? And what, what did you notice in terms of the ability to connect with people and the ability to learn things? Yeah, so fortunately, people remained active. Like once mm -hmm. this started, they were like, okay, we're not gonna stop, let's just adapt to it. Mm -hmm. So for example, they made like this social VR platform with Mozilla Hubs, where they reproduced the physical space of the school and you could just walk around seeing artwork from other students published there. And that was like two months after this whole thing started. Like it was really quick. Um, oh, that's cool. Did, yeah. Did you did you have did you have any like did you have any moments like like magic moments where you were able to connect with people through the use of these technologies like Mozilla Hubs or any of the social experiences? 
Well, I hadn't had a social VR experience before uh, mm -hmm. in the sense of, well, not being a game or anything, but just being in the same place with other people and exploring it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, I was fortunate enough to be in a class with Jonathan Turner and he introduced mm -hmm. us to his concept um, while he was trying to program it. So we got a chance to see all of the bugs and see how it worked. And it was truly a magic moment just to see everyone at the same place. Um, you know. Is did Jonathan Tor did he? Uh, I'm not familiar with. Is, did, is it Mozilla Hubs or I'm not actually sure. He he actually used Unreal Engine uh, to make mm -hmm. a, like something for the HTC Vive, um, and the school was uh, generous enough to give us some of these headsets and we could use them and have class in social VR. Um, oh, got yeah. it. Got it. And what did you in terms of having class? Was it like social people? Teacher popped in. She talked about things, and you like. Like what was the, how did it work? It was more like um, we were all working towards a project. So we would give updates about the project. Uh, most of them were cinematographic or kind of like a walkthrough. But what was nice is that um, he developed a cinema room where we would all sit together in VR and watch each of our videos one by one um, and comment about it. And it was, it was truly nice. It was really nice. Those are actually really cool. Those, I mean, it's, it's really interesting in terms of um, when cinema rooms are created for VR, it's actually a pretty good environment because you're there, you're hearing people in the backgrounds, you're all looking at a thing together. It's a very mm -hmm. social experience. I noticed one of the good design patterns is actually uh, instead of doing it as a straight row, breaking it into an arch, almost like a rainbow shape, because then you can see everybody at the same time and I can look across at these other people. Um, I think Facebook right. venues said that. Yeah, it's, it's a better design pattern than just a straight row because otherwise mm -hmm. you're doing that thing where you're trying to lean forward and you look back at that person. It just doesn't, exactly. you know, <laughs> you don't have that same connection versus if you're an arch, no matter where you're at in the arch, you can see another person. You know, you just might need like a laser light to like shine in their eyes, to get their attention or something. Yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> um, and actually this was, this was even more fun because he allowed us to upload an avatar for each of ourselves. Um, oh. So it wasn't really, like we were choosing characters and modifying them, we actually uploaded models and used them as our characters. So it was fun to see what everyone came up with, like at each jump, some people were a chicken, other people were a dog. <laughs> uh, so it became like this insane class where each one like is represented it, themselves. Yeah. Is it odd to have a conversation with someone that's a, a giant chicken? Like you Not know, at like all. You, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're like, sir, it's, he's getting really frustrated. His wings start flapping. He's like, my worst light, my worst light comes running in. Yeah, you, know? you can give him every type of moment. So yeah, all of that, all of that. Was there, did you have anything? Because I've seen some very interesting interactions um, in social VRs where you actually can have some pretty deep, meaningful conversations um, with people that are like, looks like Kermit the Frog or whatever. Um, <laughs> did, did you ever have any kind of like, like uh, moments like that with the meaningful connections? You know, I, I did actually, mm -hmm. I did. Um, I had an experience in VR chat, uh, mm -hmm. where I was talking with someone from this class and this little grasshopper approached us and started talking to us. Um, okay. And you know, your first, your first thing living in New York is like, don't get near to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but actually it was pretty fun because, uh, this person joined into the conversation and it was, it was truly nice. Um, they were from Portugal, so it was it was a nice experience. 
when a, when a stranger walks in, it's funny. You, can, you still get a little bit of uh, uh, like social anxiety inside VR still because totally. they're yeah. strangers. Like even though you're like they can't see, you don't know anything about you, but you're like, oh, please accept me to be a part of the group. You know, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you wander into those circles. And it's kind of funny when they can jump right in front of your face, like kind of interrupt the conversation. <laughs> they're, they're, but it is funny if they took i would love to see a little social experiment where they took social norms inside vr and they brought it into real life where someone oh, just that does that and they just jump in their face like hey how you guys can hear me you see they <laughs> yeah. run around circles around yeah. you and then run off you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and and i mean so one of the things that you have is your interest with like looking at anthropology and looking at design how has anthropology affected the design that design process of things that you're looking at? And, and, and how do you think that like works in the whole going into the VR space? That's a nice question. Um, so when I studied anthropology, it was back in mm -hmm. Colombia, and the focus was mostly on communities that were not similar to our own. So basically, in that context, indigenous communities. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a lot of uh, experiences where I learned about ethnography and how to study like social interactions. Um, so when you're thinking about user interaction inside these virtual spaces, there's a lot to relate to, to physical spaces. Um, and we bring back like this whole context we come from to make those virtual spaces. Um, so it's given me like a big bit of a view about how things are connected and what kind of cause and effect we can see about our context. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. And with, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting studying cultures because things that you take as just natural and normal um it a, has a vast difference like like uh speed of pace if you're in if you're in new york there's a certain speed and energy and then for contrast go to hawaii and look at the speed that they move at and uh, uh i was recently in hawaii and it moves so slowly that i'm just like oh my god come on like we gotta go we got things to solve we got places to be let's go yeah. I right. got a vacation. I got a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I have, I have, I have an agenda. I've got to get through it. We got places to be. No, it, it, it's an interesting thing, man. But you, but you're right. But you're looking same. I mean, culturally, you know, we all speak the same language, but just locally, there's a different, there's a different layout. But how do you? Let me ask you. In terms of looking at like social interactions and interactions. Are there ways that you are there groupings of them, or how do you look at these interactions and social interactions and in and, and a design way? Like, is that how do you think about that? I think the most important thing is to realize which of the crowd you're making this experience for. Um, like, it's not mm -hmm. the same if you're designing an experience for a group in Colombia or a group here in New York. Mm -hmm. um, we all have a different social context to come through, and yeah. some things are sensitive right now. Um, and those are things to be aware of in, in like virtual worlds and situations. What's sensitive? Um, <laughs> or sensible, yeah. Um, I guess like taking into account the type of experiences or or memories people might be triggered by in, in these virtual worlds is, is something that I have become aware of, like being in different contexts and talking to people who develop in these different contexts. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, overall so people, right now. People can get triggered and then they get upset um, on the certain topics. I mean, that makes, I mean, it makes sense, but that's kind of the case with a lot of people. I mean, that's why there's the cultural rule, no religion, no politics at the dinner table, right? That's kind yeah. of- uh, Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because it's like, it's just, it's just, it's very hard to mess with people's belief structures. 
um you know you yeah you're like I, I believe this and i believe this and rarely ever does someone go you know you make a good point i'm gonna i'm gonna pick a new religion yeah seems like a good idea yeah. <laughs> right and it's like they go that way it doesn't it doesn't it's too it's too uh too grounded um yeah and, but, and, ah, and go ahead and in that sense i think that sometimes people go to virtual worlds to you know get away from their own uh kind of reality simulation <laughs> um and in that case the type of things I tend to develop or want to develop, I take into account agency of the people who are there in that space. Um, for example, there's a lot of things we take for granted in the world where you have to actually go through physical objects and open them to approach someone and to be able to talk to them. What happens if you get into one of these worlds where you can walk through walls? Mm -hmm. Like what happens to privacy there? What happens to all of these sorts of conversations that become much more interesting in these kinds of scenarios? Mm. Yeah, because you feel like you're siloed. Like you have this, like when when if you look at like social experiences, one thing I've noticed is like if you look at any, um, we clump up as humans. You put us in a giant room. Uh, you generally don't get like seventy five people in a large circle. That's just not normally how we form, right? We generally form in circles between two to six, and we usually form around an object like a table. Or like a thing, something that anchors us exactly, you know, exactly. into a situation, and you can see those groupings, and so that's why like a lot of the design patterns, when you look at like social experiences, it's like you can group at, at like a, at a two table or like a four top like that, um, and and something it's an interesting um, pattern to be aware of, uh, versus you're looking at with with no constraints, which means no walls, no nothing. You're gonna you're gonna go through walls. You're gonna come into people's private space. And that probably doesn't feel very safe if 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 someone can be invisible and listening in and yeah, exactly. not saying that anybody's doing that right now um <laughs> but but technically no speaking one, it's no possible one. no 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 and i swear no I swear. that doesn't happen in the real world that does not happen <laughs> I, in the real world I don't have, there's, not, there's nobody recording all of this it's not like it's going out no, to no. people it's completely fine don't worry don't worry about that guy uh, <laughs> So let's talk about so 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 you've just graduated right now from NYU, right? So yeah. what's the next leg of the journey for you? What like what do you see for yourselves as the next as the next journey for you to take, and, and what are you excited about? I'm really excited about new things in the sense mm -hmm. that they bring something that gives value to a crowd to a public, um, but also something that is visually appealing um, that brings some feelings to to the surface um so after graduating i worked a while uh future colossal which is a studio based in new york mm -hmm. that is an incredible studio that does a lot of experiential um installations and uses vr augmented reality um a whole bunch of things and then i got an opportunity to join uh, research and design at amazon uh, for the alexa devices team um oh. where i'm currently working there um and i got a chance to work on some of the things that interest me a bit more which is research and development with design in mind yeah that's an that's an interesting one too because you have the you have listening devices that you place everywhere that people hear and there's like uh, exactly it's a it, on on point for topic um of course it's, it's a, but it's also something that it's it, we have a weird thing as humans that we will give up certain of these uh privacy things and situations for comfort, right? And mm -hmm. for like, for example, like our phone tracks us, 
We know everybody tracks us, the government tracks us, everything does this type of thing. But because we really want to be able to use Waze or Google Maps or any of the other things, we're okay with it, right? The Alexa, the same thing. It's it's a it's this thing that it does sit there listening in to do things. Um, but at the same time, it makes things super convenient and super capable and then enables you to do things. So um, do you notice in terms of like design patterns for like an audio only device different than something that's like a camera plus an audio? Is you, Have you seen differences there or? Well, before answering that, I would say something about what you just said in terms that yeah. it makes it convenient for everyone. Yeah. I would think that it doesn't. There's a lot of people that are not being they're not getting any benefits by this technology and they're actually just being pushed to accept it. Um, referring to technology in general, some investments, for example, okay. the New York subway system um, uh -huh. by 2024, I think you need to have one of these omnibus um, passes, which mm. means you need to have a cell phone, which means you need to have your bank account connected to that cell phone in order to pass. Mm. Um, so that by itself is a design that means if you don't have a cell phone, if you don't have, a bank account you cannot get into the subway um mm. so there's like some some faculties of design that benefit some people and some others that don't yeah that, but, but what you're talking about right there is a system upgrade right like mm -hmm. i'm i'm in you know you have an old computer the old computer can't handle the update you can't do the update right what you're doing is you're you're updating the technology right so yeah the, all the people that don't want to be tracked all the people that don't want to have a bank account all the people that don't have a cell phone which is what we would call reputable citizens right if you have a phone and you have a bank account you must be a normal citizen if you don't have a bank account and you don't have a cell phone what are you doing in the city right and there's not everybody people don't want to be tracked the problem is is people want they want the global infrastructure without being connected to it Right. So I want I want to have the I want to have the benefits of busings. I want to have the benefits of the fire company. I want the benefits of the police, but I don't want to pay taxes. I want, you know, so you're talking mm -hmm. the challenge is that is that they want to have access to a global infrastructure, but they don't want to play by the global infrastructure rules. And so it's like it's because uh, I can see the benefits of the global infrastructure guaranteed. Mm -hmm. You're guaranteed you're going to get paid. It's very hard to dupe the system. You can't trick the system. So for them, my guess is is um, their revenues and things will go up, even though people are annoyed with the system. But it's more mm -hmm. countable, more trackable. So it's like it's a. Uh, but you, you see how that's kind of like a balancing act. Between, yeah. You know, and I'm not all for government getting all their data, but it's it is a it's kind of like someone complaining about you know why do I have to pay taxes and then their house gets caught on fire and firemen show up. You know, it's like that kind mm -hmm. of that kind of combination. So, um, I mean, what is that? What, what is the other option there? Like, what else could they do? Like, is it, is it, uh, do you know what I'm saying? Cause if they're going to, if they're going to, Oh, not, totally. Like, I, I think like, I, I don't know what to say the other option is <laughs> because that would mean like kind of a solution for a huge situation. Um, yeah. but I, I do think that, um, technology sometimes becomes something you have to accept and sometimes as a choice it's still a choice of course but um it's a difficult choice it's it's not you know it's not a let's buy a or b it's i don't want to buy a or b like what what can i do like you can't you have to um, and that's you know world well that's hard with some things when you make those binary choices it's either a or it's b it's it's you know because people like for example iphone android Right. Mm -hmm. iPhone is one operating system, one company, one thing. Android 
is thousands of phones and all of these That's things. True. And it's, it's everything else besides A, right? Um, so I was always curious, like, what is the options besides A? Because, yeah, I mean, people, you know, uh, people hate on Amazon uh, because it's, 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 eating the, it's eating the world in terms of, like, being the online authority for selling things. At the same time, they're buying things on Amazon. So mm -hmm. it's like That's you true. have you have both sides of the equation. Um, what are your I mean, what are your thoughts around like uh, people that go off the grid, people that do um, like they get like a, a solar powered systems and all that stuff? Do you think that is that is that a feasible division that will be going down? Um, I think that's a large bet to say yes. Or no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I would hope so. I would yeah. hope that that's a very viable option in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Recently, I was looking at a documentary be, documentary about people who were actually allergic to radio signals, so they couldn't be nearby Wi-Fi or... Wow. Yeah, that was insane. Like, they really got sick near Wi-Fi networks. Um, so they had to seek refuge in, in, you know, like, as far apart in the woods as, as they could. Um, wow. And that pretty much insane, you know? Like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay, so just just so that's incredible and terrible. I feel bad for anybody that has to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're allergic to Wi-Fi. Um, but bring it back. So, so you're you're so you're interested yeah. in the building technology that helps people. You're interested in using tech to to help a large population of people, and so that's what kind of brought you to Amazon. Um, after doing um, being part of the, kind of the interactive groups, is there um, it, do you see yourself? Oh, I guess this might be a setup question. Try not to do it, but in terms of like, do you see yourself what you want to do with Amazon, or is there something that ultimately that you want to like learn from Amazon to better kind of add to your tool belt, or what does that look like? Um, well, right now, like when I started my journey, it was mostly as an artist. Uh, right now, I'm like working more with technology and kind of adapted to that. And this job, as any other kind of experience you have with a job, is a learning experience for me. Um, uh, I do not consider a future in any company settled uh, because I'm not the type of person who decides like I'm gonna stay here the rest of my life. I, I don't do that. Um, I'm just grateful about the opportunity, um, trying to get the best out of it. And um, do you? It's interesting because like there's very rare do you do come across people that are like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna die in this hill at this company. <laughs> this, this place. Almost been here forever. This seems like a good idea. It's not. It's not normally. It's not normally the case. But you do get a, an amazing grab bag of skills, especially working at like a large company. Because the uh, colossal um, studio that you're at, um, it was a smaller. It was a smaller studio, or what was? Yeah. So fortunately, yeah. Um, right now, due to my legal status, all of these jobs I'm telling you about are mostly an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. um, so it also gives me uh, no tie down kind of opportunity which is perfect for me um and yeah future colossal was is it, this smaller studio it was up to like 20 people a group of designers animators um amazing artists and then the, with the doing artistry i mean uh, is it primary what tools do you primarily use is it maya is it um like are you what are the what are the tools that you're doing i i love to use the tool depending on the project um like i started learning 3d animation with maya and uh -huh. then you know i was really young and i was like oh this is insane i'm gonna use something else so i switched mm -hmm. to houdini and i switched to blender 
Mm-hmm. Um, and right now I mostly work with Unreal Engine, Blender, uh, Houdini, and Unity. Um, mm-hmm. And with those four, I try to tackle anything that comes across. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm always mm-hmm. open to learn software. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Houdini's pretty interesting. Um, you know, it's kind of got some cutting edge stuff that you can do with it. Blender is the, the uh, mm, I don't want to say the word poor man's, but it's it's the more simplified version open source system versus Maya. You can do a lot of great things with it as well. Um, um, and uh, and I think there's a lot there's a lot you can do with that. But it's it's interesting to see, like, did you have an experience where you made something in 3D for the first time and then you put on the VRR headset and you got to experience what it was like to actually experience your creation at all? Have yeah, had- that feeling is amazing. That feeling is amazing. Uh, like, yeah, I actually the one of the reasons I got the VR headset was because I saw t- a trailer video about this fractal kind of world uh, where you mm-hmm. just dived into it and just fall through fractal. And I was like, okay, this is insane. Like, how does someone like this do this? Um, so yeah, that was one of the first things I kind of tried to adapt. Um, and it was amazing. It was with the HCC Vive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bit older right now, but it still works great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've heard some interesting things. Uh, they, it's kind of like a Nintendo Sega battle between them and Oculus, you know, they kind of go yeah, out yeah, yeah. different headsets and stuff. Yeah. That, that mind blown experience of, of seeing something, well, one of your own stuff and then seeing something else in VR that like blows your mind. It kind of, you start to chase that dragon. Do you know what I'm saying? Where you're like, yeah, I, want yeah. that, I want that feeling again. How do I get that back? Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, what? It's a, go for it. No, it's always fun to see these experiences because when when you're in this field, you're like, the first time you you watch them, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Then you watch them again and, okay, how did they do this? Like, Let's break it piece by piece and see what they did. Uh, and that's that's like a more enjoyable feeling for me, like kind of seeing what pieces make it. How can you talk to me about a little bit about that artist process of seeing something and then turning it around and breaking it down? Like, how do you structurally, how does that work for you? Um, specifically in VR or in general? Well, I just, well, let's, let's start with just VR as a thing. Just something can kind of wrap their heads around of like, you see a thing, you're like, I want to do that. And what do you, what are your steps to make it happen? One of the first steps I do is, and it's it's difficult to remember in VR, even though it seems easiest to remember that I am in a 360 space. So sometimes when things are really visually impactful, you just stare in awe. And usually those are resources that developers use, like make the most amazing thing in front so they don't notice the back. <laughs> um, so the first thing I do is go look at the back, you know, like while that is happening, look what's going on around. Uh, what, what kind of corners did they cut? Um, mm-hmm. So, and try to break it, you know, like try to grab that thing that's far away that isn't textured that well. Try to grab it. What happened? Oh, that's that is a very gamer move to try to break the thing as soon as you get into it, <laughs> you know. And like, what can speed I break? Run it. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna run, run yeah, it. Go around the corners. You're like, okay, where are they slipping? When they, okay, so then you're looking yeah, at the yeah. environment. You, you try to you try to break it. You try to understand it. You try to get the whole picture of the environment. And then do you, do you try to recreate that in sketching mode and then like go from there or? I wanted to do that. I wanted to do that a couple of times. Uh, what I definitely do is research. Um, there are some of these experiences that have like devlogs or something like that. And if not, 
Reddit, Stack Overflow, whatever has people that are curious uh, mm -hmm. enough to ask. Um, mm -hmm. But I do research how they did it, at least. Yeah, you, you can understand like what software they use, how do they get it, and what does that look like. So you go, okay, I like this. I'm trying to understand it, and then you got to see, did someone else do the heavy lifting for me? Which is the power of yeah, the yeah, internet. Exactly. It, any, it's, it's any like it's like getting those pieces of code and bringing them into your own. Um, and also, it's like I do appreciate the time it takes to develop these things. It's not like, oh, that I saw how they did it. I'm gonna do it. I, I do know it's. I saw how they did it. I understand, but it takes months to refine it to look that well, and it takes testing. It it takes effort. Um, so yeah, all of those are a whole world. Yeah, people don't uh, always appreciate the amount of time and energy it takes to make a thing. You see, like a like a sixty second animation that's all custom um you don't realize the time and energy it takes to make that custom animation and i mean yeah. frames or what, what you have to do to polish that up so yeah that makes a ton of sense so then is that how you how do you currently add to your tool belt of, of skills and abilities right now now that you've graduated is is it besides working for big companies what else do you do it sounds like you have some strong google foo going on <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 um so right now i'm uh Thanks to the event, I, I think we contacted through uh, the Transatlantic uh, 5G lab. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, I got a chance to connect with someone who is currently developing digital therapeutics, um, mm -hmm. working with VR in the hospital settings. So I'm being an advisor for that. That's like taking a lot of my time. Um, and I always have like a little personal project going around, which I know is just for me. Um, <laughs> And the thing I try to do with my jobs and, and the work I find is try mm -hmm. to find work that adapts to the kind of things I want to learn. Um, fortunately enough, uh, research and development right now is you know speculative design. Uh, so I wanted to look into that for a while. With Future Colossal, I wanted to get a better approach to how to deal with clients in a big city and what kind of requirements they have. So. I try to make each of these experiences something I can learn from, and not just take a job as a job, and I'll, or at least shift my perspective to see I can get something useful from it. Um, so yeah, I, I, in, in terms of tools, I, I, I'm very excited about what's coming out now. I can't even keep myself up to date with everything that's coming out. Um, what, what, what specifically are you referring to in terms of what's coming out? Is it are you talking headsets? Are you talking like uh, tools, or what do you what do you mean? I think all of it in terms of, for example, in, I love exploring little machine learning uh, repositories or GitHub things where, I don't know, you just automatic chroma. You know, we have this video yeah. feed and suddenly they take away the background uh, and things like that every single day, thousands of experiments that you see around. And it's like, oh, I just want to play with it for a while. Um, GitHub's yeah. a very, very powerful tool. Uh, you can't start store large. Well, you kind of can store large files in there, like artwork and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's hard. You have to have some sort of Git LFS thing going on. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because otherwise people like upload it. I've seen it because like I've been a part of a lot of hackathons. And people that don't know Git very well, they're like the artist just tries to just upload everything to Git and like breaks the system. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to fix that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's and, cool. And so for artwork, getting... hmm, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, for artwork, I've uh, I think Instagram is an amazing resource. Um, just following current creative coders and Instagram. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's a great source of inspiration and just to keep in touch. Um, 
or Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't gone on TikTok yet? No, no, no. I can't. Like, I, I, I can't. I want, I guess I want to one day, but I can't. It's, it's too much. The, yeah, those addictions, man. I got careful, man. I got hooked. They got me. I was like, I'm just going to look at it for research purposes. And like, you know, half an hour later, I'm like, oh, where am I? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah looking at, looking at puppies yeah. for half an hour. Yeah. But they're so Same cute. Rabbit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't, can't help it. Can't help it. What are the, what, I mean, speaking of that, what are the feelings you like to give people through your artwork and the things that you create? Like, is there, you know, like puppies is one type of feeling, but for yourself, really, like, what do you, what do you really get out of the artworks and creations that you share with people? I like people to forget where they came from um, when they enter one of these things. Um, and I've used a couple of resources for that. I, I started really a couple of years ago with this 3D animation, Houdini, that's mm. kind of like these particles flowing and you know, blah, and breaking around and pure VFX. Um, mm. And I guess it was the sense of amazement that, that I was chasing uh, for a long time. Mm. Um, and like, right uh, now, sorry. Like, uh, like when you said amazement, when you're saying, like you like to check the sense of like amazement. Like, I think, like, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe awe is like, a bit too pretentious to try to chase with that uh, <laughs> okay. but but maybe the sense of forgetting you know just forgetting for a minute two minutes where you were at where you're at and just enjoy what you're looking at and mm. i think that is useful and powerful um and i think that's what we strive for in some artistic experiences um and I hope I've managed to do that in some of the work I've done. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I mean, you're getting them to forget and just be present, which is actually really mm -hmm. powerful. Uh, that, I mean, that's a it's, a it's a beautiful thing to go for. Um, and it's a really interesting place that you're in because you have art, you have augmented reality, you have VR, you have machine learning. I mean, you're basically bolting together all of these different pieces of this technology where it is, we're all coming together. Like people think that VR is the pinnacle, right? But then there's all these other pieces like AI, like biofeedback, like all this other stuff. Like, like, what are you trying to do? Like you're picking up all these different tools. Like how do you see them all fitting together? I think that these tools have gained a lot of reputation as being, you know, pinnacles in their own field and very separate things. But I think the beautiful thing is to think of them as colors. Um, you know, and what shades can you create between the mix? Um, mm -hmm. Like, fortunately enough, now we have access to a lot of uh, people and resources in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, we have this developer in, I don't know, anywhere that made this machine learning algorithm, uploads it to GitHub. And it's, you know, it's free in the sense that you can play with it um, until you release something or whatever. But it's, it's there. Um, and when you start seeing a lot of people, uh, like references, start mixing these things together um huge artists like Rafik Anadol or people like this who start mixing machine learning with this vfx with animation um it gets your mind kind of churning like what else can i mix uh how can i make people understand this connection better or understand each of these fields better um mm -hmm. so, so that's you, that for me you so you look like a palette right so you're looking at how can i mix these things together and how do they fit together um yeah yeah, yeah. beautiful um so with this with the journeys with the things you're putting together and the next leg is is currently going to be working um at some of these as an independent at some of these future places just kind of adding to your tool belt as you build things out but you also want to see how to work with clients 
is your plan to uh, eventually open up your own studio? And that's why you want to figure out clients and why you want to figure out the tool belt of stuff? Or is that like? I think uh, that's a good question. Uh, I should ask myself more often. <laughs> um, no, actually, for me, the the like just the fact of gaining experience towards a purpose that I still don't have clear is good enough. Um, I do know I have accesses which orient me in, in a direction. I think a studio is a lot of work um, and a lot of work that is involved towards not creating. Um, I, I like being able to develop and create. I like getting my hands dirty and that's what I enjoy doing. Mm. And having to deal with clients eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day is probably not my favorite task. Um, but it's something I had to explore, you know, something I just wanted to look into. Uh, same as why I'm here right now. I, you know, mm -hmm. I never imagined to be at a huge company, but chance came up. Let's take it. Let's see what happens and gain from it. Um, but not tied to anything. <laughs> it's good. So you got going with the flow and saying yes to the adventure kind of thing. Yeah. 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 yeah I, love right. it. I love it. Um, what advice would you give to like young artists, people that want to get in this tech, that want to be kind of a futurist technologist kind of thing? Like if they were say just getting out of high school or just graduating right now, what would, what would be the path you'd recommend for them? I think it's very important to know that a path can be composed of a lot of different paths and different interests. It's not necessarily like you have to tie yourself to, I'm going to be a technologist so I can only learn about this. I feel like this field and the people I've met throughout are people that have very much been, you know, involved in a lot of things, mm -hmm. a lot of personal projects, a lot of things that derive in economy or derive in, you know, anthropology or anything else. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, don't worry too much. I, I would say like, take the chances that present themselves, seem useful, seem entertaining. Um, you know, I, I started my my conscious path towards being something as I started it, trying to study physics. Um, and after a semester, I said no, and I started sculpture. And, you know, like it, it derived into anthropology and then technology and then who knows? Um, but it's it's always evolving. I, I would say that if you keep a perspective of yourself that's always evolving, it's easier than to mm -hmm. be into one cube or block. So you went, you started with physics and then you're like, mm -mm, I don't want any of this. I don't want any of this business. I'm going to go, I'm going to go make some art. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> like almost the opposite of what that is. Very rarely does someone go, I'm going to do art. You know what? No, I'm going to do physics and then go that direction. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's the path that most people go down, but they're like, Ooh, physics. Mm, I don't, I, I don't, even, I don't even know what's really entailed with the, the, the piece of everything. So. Um, that's, that's me trying to to lighten up the physics dropout stage of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. That's cool, man. Okay, so then, so your advice is really just to just to go explore, just to say yes to an adventure, see what's out there, not take it seriously, don't feel overly committed or things that like you're tied down, but just to kind of go and learn and play. That would, yeah, yeah. And, and and definitely like I, I think also art is is like it means a lot to a lot of people. And being an artist involves, you know, just dedicating your life towards that. I think that art is just a facet of life and in a way of living it and seeing it things. Um, like I, I very rarely, very rarely call myself an artist, uh, like directly. Uh, like I, I don't, you know, um, 
yeah, I think just not being tied down to any um, any definition is easier for for what life is. So, mm. so I, I felt the resistance. Like I don't call myself an artist. Is it? So you feel like when you tie yourself down to like a certain identity, then you can't grow. Is that what I'm getting? I think using those terms involves a responsibility in the terms of what you do and how you approach your work. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think it's easier to just use a term like creative technology instead of bar that like kind of involves this world, but also the other kind of dimensions, which is also kind of like the same defining in a word or whatever, but, um, it's interesting cause I like, go ahead. I like relative terms. <laughs> so then non-deterministic. Non yeah. So it's kind of like saying like, you know, <clears throat> like I went in for like, uh, I have a bachelor's in like just business, like general business, because it's like choosing without choosing, I'm going to do a business. It's like what business? A business. Right. And that's a, the same type of like not being tied down. Just want to kind of figure it out and see what strikes the fancy along the way. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So then uh, I want to ask this question because I'm very curious going to have to respond to this. Then, okay, so what's your holy grail then? Like, ultimately, what do you want? Like, what do you want for this uh, creative technologist goal? Like, what is your what is your end goal? What is your flag in the sand on top of a mountain? What does that look like? That's a good question. Um, and honestly, I don't know the answer. Uh, but I do know approximate, an approximate to the answer. And I am chasing things that keep me amazed. Um, I am chasing the feeling of amazement. In the work I do, the people I kind of interact with in that setting. Um, so I don't know where that this journey is gonna end. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just happy enough to be where I am today. And uh, just thinking about tomorrow. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, some people do it for the goal and some people do it for the journey. Um, and yeah. just some of the people I've, I've, I've talked to is like, they don't have a flag in the sand, right? That's just a, but you have, it's just the, you're doing it for the joy of the thing and you're just enjoying the moments. And so there's not like a, not necessarily a plan. It's more of just a feeling and you're just following that feeling, that feeling of amazement. And you're just like, okay, yeah, what's amazing. Got it. Oh, beautiful. Did, do you have, can you talk to me about any experiences that you've done, like to say in VR that amazed you? Is there anything that you had your mind blowing experience? We're like, oh my God, this is the thing. And then like blew your mind. And that's why you, uh, you know, you have an interest in AR VR. Hmm. You know, I think, I think most of the mind blowing characteristics of VR that made me chase VR was not so much something I saw in VR, but rather all of the hype around it and like, the cultural facets we've seen around it. Um, mm. Like I, I, I've always been, you know, kind of a, as a kid, very interested in, <laughs> in technology and the latest kind of gadgets and things. Um, and the the day I remember the day I saw the the uh, Oculus Rift DK uh, developer kit coming out. That was mm -hmm. like 2014 or something or 2012. Mm -hmm. I I could. Yeah, I, I could not believe, like, I could not really believe it. I I was at least every week looking at videos to see if someone uploaded something, you know, just waiting to get it. And since I was in Colombia, it was kind of difficult to get access to any of those things. Mm -hmm. um, until 2016, um, 
where a friend came with came up to me with a proposition to make a business in VR um, to make ar ar architectural visualizations uh, for for construction companies. And I was like, well, this is my excuse to get one. Yes, let's do this. And that was my first time like, <laughs> getting access to it. And, how is that for you? I mean, because that sounds like a real use case, architectural visualization. I, but it does seem a little early back then to try to do that. Um, nowadays, I mean, there's a ton of them. You can Google it. And there's a, I'm sure there's a fleet of uh, VR yeah. visualizations out there right now, um, plus many other ones. But what was it like for you to try to get into that space and try to bring that technology to an actual um, monetizable revenue generating business? Yeah, that was that was a big jump. Um, and mm -hmm. even now remembering it, I, I say like, why why did I do that? Because I really didn't have any experiences, any experience with these game engines at all. Um, I was used to like rendered animation. Um, so when the proposition came along, and it was fortunately with a big company or like a company that at least had a project ongoing, um, we were like, okay, well, you're way you're good at design i'm kind of good at this animation stuff let's see what we can do and it was a three-week dive into youtube uh 14 different languages with subtitles trying to build up something to show um but it worked it worked pretty well um we got hired for that construction project and i said you know this this is fun um, real time is fun that's cool. Yeah, different, way different. Yeah, yeah. You can't can't call a render farm to do what you need. You know, you gotta. Yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah. You gotta make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just does. Yeah, you're like, we need a bigger computer. Somebody, you know. Yeah, yeah. Call it in. That's awesome, man. Uh, so then, so so you got in it because it was new and it, there was a hype and there was excitement and it was just it was just hot. And so there's an excuse to kind of explore. Go for it. Yeah, no, and, and also to add to that, and sorry to interrupt you, um, I would add that I, I think the, the premise of VR for me was not so much like the hype around it, but rather mm -hmm. it was the first type of device or technology that I could see that could let you create a universe that you wanted and actually put someone inside it. Because, you know, we have video games, we have everything, and we've been able to be inside of these virtual worlds for a while, but the corporality inside of these worlds and the ability to have all of your vision encompassed in, inside it in a way that's accessible to consumers is is kind of new because you know this has been around since the 60s you know Ivan Sutherland and a, a couple of things um but yeah I, I once I saw that I had the possibility of creating worlds at my hands um that was that was the moment that triggered for me in VR mm. the <clears throat> the godlike power yeah, yeah. That, that, going from an artist to God, basically, You're like, ooh, <laughs> I can actually make a world and put people inside of it, right? Which is which is powerful. Which is incredibly powerful that you don't realize that that like our ability to create and then share those creations with people, it just it's so magnified inside VR because you feel it. You I mean you feel it so much more? Um, uh, yeah, I had a. Like I recently had someone on a podcast that created the virtual Burning Man temple, which is this crazy, <laughs> crazy spiral structural thing, um, artistic thing that I, I went inside VR and I got to try it out and I looked around. I was like, wow, like this is, you can, you can feel like the weight behind it, you know, like that yeah. sense of like when you see an ar architectural structure, which is 
maybe not be feasible in real life. I'm not too sure if it was. That's one of the interesting things. You don't need to worry about like weight bearing loads or anything else of actually breaking <laughs> in VR. You're like, is that going to work? A little tiny pencil saying, you know, it, it, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It's a super interesting. Um, so it's then, also interesting to discover if people will actually like what you do. <laughs> like, you know, no one actually cares about this role that I made. It's, but it's good for me. <laughs> what's, your, what's your, what's your feedback process? Like, let's say you're putting people through an experience that you made or something like that. Like, what is your process of? Because you're talking about a lot of your time out is human centered design, right? Putting the human in the center of it. What? How do you? How do you do human-centered design and, and, and have them be the center of the experience? So one of the things I've, I've discovered throughout my work is that mm -hmm. I have a lot of assumptions and mm -hmm. many times they're not right. Um, mostly when you're designing experiences in VR and with other people in mind. Um, so the first thing I always do is send it to someone else. Uh, like the first test out I do is always with someone else. I don't tell them anything at all about what it's gonna be. And I try to send it first to people who don't have lot, a lot of interaction designer, user experience design, uh, simply to capture that kind of emotion at first. Because once you hear the critiques, you kind of just stay in the critiques. Um, or at least, you know, I, like I take them very seriously, like, okay, they're feeling this. So I start to ask, like, are you feeling that this is not working fine? And it's like, no, it's working fine. So, I prefer to first encounter it with people that don't have any idea about this kind of situation. Mm. Um, and once I get a first loop of that and I say, okay, you know, this is not working, uh, then I go for, you know, uh, the ones I know that will tackle it a bit more seriously and Got give it. me like the feedback I need. Yeah. Got it. So, so people that aren't you, you're not going to put the, like, versus like you put the headset on, you immediately try to break it and look around corners and see what's going on. You're looking for the opposite. Of something like that you want someone that doesn't know anything and you're just going for their their gut emotional reaction and then they're going to give it to someone yeah. like you to kind of open exactly. it up exactly yeah and besides um you know when you're putting on the headset on and off 200 times in a in an afternoon like you you know it's you sometimes you say oh you know this, i don't care about that little detail there they're not going to notice and then someone notices and it's like oh well, I gotta work on that. Um, so it's fun. It's it's a fun process. Um, there's a, there's a development blinders. Like the developers, like yeah, they, they have a limp, and they don't, and so they use a crutch, and then they forget that they have this crutch, right? And everyone's like, "Why are you limping?" You're like, "Oh, that's right. I just kind of ignored it because it was like not painful enough to change." And then someone calls you on it, and then it becomes a whole a whole issue. Do you, like how do you how do you I mean how do you how do you stay unbiased? How do you take it? Like what, because like, I mean, sometimes when people crap on your artwork, it's painful, right? And you want to defend your artwork and you want to justify why it's not whatever the thing is. Like what what advice and or how do you handle those types of situations? So when, when I was in art school in Columbia, I, I was one of my very first classes. Um, mm. This teacher came around and he told us, you know, you're all investing a lot of time and existence being here, let's keep the nice comments for outside of the classroom. Um, so basically, I started very early receiving critique towards my artwork, and that made me get a bit of a tough skin towards it. But you know, as a firm of advice, I think that no one will get an artwork that is 100% acceptable to everyone. Um, 
And if someone does manage to do that, that's incredible. Nice, kudos. Um, but I think the challenge is not thinking about how it's going to appease an amount of people, but rather if it's going to connect with people who want to experience kind of the same thing. Um, so, so like the goal isn't to appease 100% of the people. The goal is to the, the goal is to really connect with someone. Right? I would that... say so. Yes. Yeah. It depends also in the environment you're trying to uh, to be in. Like a, a production company environment is very different from an art uh, exposition, um, where you know in, in a production environment you have to quantify <laughs> how much you connected, and uh, in an art environment it's just uh, you know whatever else. ROI, return on investment. They want to know the level of engagement. What is exactly. what? What was your actual impact? And on art, it's a little challenging. Like, wow, what do you to answer that question? How do you answer that if you're trying to quantify the le the level of depth and impact that something that you created had? Like, is there ways to measure that for you? Is there something that that comes to um, mind? Yeah. Uh, for example, in virtual reality, there's well, it's not flawless, but you can, for example, if someone is looking in a certain direction, you can say, okay, once they start looking there, start a timer and just time how much time they're looking at that area specifically. Um, so that is kind of a, an attention value, right? Um, things like that, you know, you can use strategies like that. If someone was looking around for a lot, well, what does that mean? And it's, it's fun in the sense that you interpret what happens. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a bit of a detective role there. Like, oh, why did it look so much there? What what what's going on there? Uh, is it the glitch? Is it the color? Is it the what is it? Um, but yeah, those are quantified methods to test VR experiences, for example. Yeah, that's so hard in VR too, because some people, if it's their first time, they'll just like look at their hands, right? Like, they, <laughs> yeah. like like they've taken a large amount of drugs. They're just like staring at their hands. You're like, wow, look at this. This is new. Yeah. You know, and you're like, why are you looking True at your alert. hands? <laughs> like oh this is interesting that's, mm -hmm. that's so funny um what advice what advice would you give to people that want to create like deeper meaningful connections using art like how would you how how would you guide someone to if they if that was their goal or their intention i would say start by the idea always start by the idea um mm -hmm. because the technology Fortunately, today we're very much connected, and it's difficult to think about things you can't accomplish with what someone else is offering. Um, so I would say start with the idea. Um, if the idea is strong enough, you can even find people that will join it and kind of make the heavy lifting uh, in that sense. But yeah, it's uh, when I was in this in the ITP program, it was it was fun because there was a lot of software developers coming in. From all over, you know, from Korea, from China, from Europe, from Latin America, from here, you know, a lot of developers. But there was also a lot of people that came from photography, fashion. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine does does macro photographies of just insects, uh, and you know, all of this made me realize that the people who made it out better and that are like more at comfort um, are the people who had very solid ideas. And that took the time to develop their ideas more than their their skills in a way. Doesn't mean that skills are not valuable. I mean, I think you should be informed about what's going on. 
Um, but I don't think that not knowing to code, uh, you know, a lead code or whatever, one of these, you don't have to be a top <laughs> uh, software developer to make meaningful experiences. And I think art is very accessible nowadays um, mm. in terms of this field, for example. So it's mostly getting the idea, getting the idea out there and seeing if you can rally people to your cause. Exactly. Uh, beautiful. Exactly. Uh, and if, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how they can get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, well, um, there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing and a lot of people are discovering it. I'm one of them. Um, so I would say just don't have so much pressure in, in this field. You know, you're, you're going to get where you're going to get and it's going to happen. It's going to be fine. Um, that's beautiful. Well, we all, there's a lot of people, we're good at pretending like we know what we're doing. You know, I, I heard. Oh, yeah. I'm a big, you know. big, big imposter uh, <laughs> syndrome guy. Yeah. All the time. All the time. You know where you're going? Yeah. I know where I'm going. We got this. We're fine. Yeah. Looking sideways. Looking sideways. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. And if people want to get a hold of you and find out more about what you do, how do they do that? Of course. Uh, First, I'd be happy to contact anyone or to be in contact with anyone. You can reach me through Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, my my email account, lacatour 100 at Gmail. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Dylan. This, this has awesome. been amazing. Man. It's been a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you sharing your stories with us. Have a blessed and beautiful Thanks, day, man. my friend. I'll talk to you later. You too, man. Thank All you right. so much. See you, brother. Bye. Peace. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.